You came back this week. Okay, then. Let's speak more geek. <laughs> this is the Geek Speak Show. Get ready to speak geek. Featuring interviews with the movers and shakers in geek culture. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. I'm not a fact sheet. Hey, this is Todd McFarlane. I'm Zach Whedon. Hi, this is George Gentry. The Geek Speak Show is powered by GeekTyrant.com, GameTyrant.com, MightyVille.com, Ramascreen.com, and Zergnet.com. Geek is spoken here. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching with your ears. Oh, just listen. Here are the hosts of the Geek Speak Show, Henry San Miguel and Rachel Rossini. Here we are, right in the middle of May, our month. Everything is happening. We started with sort of, we had WonderCon that warmed it up for us. Now, we've had a free comic book day. We've had Iron Man 3. Okay. And we're moving on now to the next one. This week is Star Trek Into yes. Darkness. And we're going to so talk excited. about it later before, by the end of the show. We'll tell you, we're, we're going to do something special with Star Trek and that other big franchise that has to do, that has Star in the title. Like I said, we'll talk about that at, at the end of the show. Rachel will like that one. But mm-hmm. this weekend is also Big Wow. Mm-hmm. Don't After Star Trek Into Darkness, don't forget to go to make your way to San Jose, the San Jose <laughs> Convention Center, May 18th and 19th this week. And as I said, Big Wow Comic Fest returns again. And returning to the Geek Speak Show is Steve Wyatt, the convention director. Steve, welcome back to the Geek Speak Show. Hey, guys. How's it going? Going great. Hey, We're Steve. a little tired, like I said, in the middle of our month. There's so many things going on. But this this weekend, it's Big Wow Comic Fest's turn. So before we get into it, a lot of people may remember it when it had a different name. So it's the same convention. Tell tell everybody about Big Wow Comic Fest, why the name change, all, all of that. Well, it used to be Supercon. Uh, we've been Supercon since actually 1979 when we put on our first show in Hayward at the Centennial Hall. Um, we changed the name a few years back because of a certain Florida show that stole the name, and it was just too much confusion to the fans and to the guests. But we had Big Wow um, Art. That was my partner, Steve Morger, and it was an established name. We dealt with a lot of artists, and it just kind of became Big Wow Comic Fest. And instead of Comic-Con, Frank Cho, our other partner, actually chose Fest, uh, or threw that out, and we all went, wow, what a great idea to make it more of a festival, more things to do than opposed to just your basic Comic-Con going to a dealer's room and buy something. And it is. The difference uh, with this one is, you know, unlike, like you mentioned, Comic-Con and the other one, WonderCon, when you go there, they do everything except focus on the comics. So the comic is just in the title. There's a lot of TV stuff, movie stuff. This one, if you're a comic book fan, you need to be there this weekend because it's all about comic books. Past, present, artists will be there. Matter of fact, keeping in line with what you did last year, Jim Lee was one of the big guests uh, last year. This year, another person named Lee, you invited him, and he said, Excelsior, I'll be there, Steve. The man who will be there this weekend. So, big question I want to ask you is, how did you get Stan Lee to come out the Big Well? We asked very nicely. Um, <laughs> between me and my partners, we'd known Stan for many years, um, and he'd wanted to do our show for about a year and a half. It was all about scheduling, and just things worked out, and I know it was a late notice of announcing him, you know, only a month ago, but he gave us a call and said, you know, I can make it, and I'll be there. So, we spread the word as quick as possible because, I mean, we got Stan Lee. Stan Lee's coming to San Jose Big Wild Comic Fest. That's that's amazing. 
I didn't think we could do it, but he's coming. He's going to be there, though. He's years old this year, too. Yeah, he's going to be there Sunday only, though. Now, he's not going to be there all weekend. Yeah. May 19th is the only day. And and I haven't checked yet. Or it's probably updated on the Twitter or Facebook and on the website. You can go there. Go to our link section. It's on there. But are there still tickets available? Because you have to purchase separate tickets to, to get out his autograph, right? Right. You have to purchase separate tickets for a photo with him and or um, an autograph. And as of when I checked the website last night, now we have our web designer... Um, checking it hourly because we're really close. There were tickets available. Um, right now, I'm not sure. It's 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning, so I'm not really sure. But as of last night at 8 o'clock, there were some tickets available still. So I'm looking but at it's the. really close. So, Steve, I'm looking at the brochure and it says that you guys are having a geek fashion show. Can you like tell me more about the geek fashion show and what's up with that? It, we actually, on Saturday morning at noon, um, we're having the first geek fashion show. It's just kind of an experiment for fun. Um, we have a, over a dozen designers that are coming in. We're going to have over 50 models and it's all geek wear, stuff you can wear out in public and have some fun with. It's a full on fashion show, but it's, you ever go to one of the conventions and see people with like, who go to Joann's and, and make that really cool skirt out of Captain America. Uh, linen. Now imagine yeah. a whole fashion show of just fun stuff like that. And that sounds amazing. I want to go to that. Yeah. Um, our cosplay contest will still go, and that's for the people that create those beautiful costumes that come. And this year we're going to have hundreds, I mean hundreds of people in costume. But the fashion show is more about geekdom and fashion, um, and it's geared just for our audience, for us. You know, when I was a kid, we, you know, someone shows up in a shirt like that and you're, you know, oh, get away from me, you're weird. Now it's it's cool. Um, but that's what the fashion show is all about. And then again, that night at 6 o'clock, we'll do the, the cosplay contest, which will be, like I said, we have hundreds of people in costume. Um, some professional customers and hundreds of fans. It's come dress as your favorite hero kind of thing. And, and you're doing a photo you- shoot, right? I need, I'm saying I need yeah, tissue. We're you, doing... you brought up some bad memories for me there, Steve. <laughs> I, I'm the one who used to be made fun of when I used to wear my Star Wars T-shirts, my hey, Spider-Man T-shirts. Hey, we all t-shirts. did. Okay, we all. Hey, did. I, we did. I'm I'm 50 years old next year, and I've been wearing them since Star Wars came out. So and still will uh, when it comes out again. Oh, will exactly. we see you in a costume, Steve? Oh, <laughs> I'm an, I, I've got an Avengers T-shirt on, but no, you'll never <laughs> see me in the costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so for those that are going to cosplay, you're, you're having a photo shoot, right? And I guess that's Saturday evening. Who, who's allowed to be in the photo shoot? But actually, the, the cool thing about that is anybody in costume. It's oh. going to take place at the stairwell. And if you're in costume and you want to be part of this, welcome to it. We also have a, a photographer that will be set up in the the um, courtyard. We have a courtyard this year with a bunch of things going on and one of the things is a photographer who will be taking pictures and putting them on websites and they can send them to you that way. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. He's just there having fun. But also in that courtyard, we're going to have an archery um, set up. So bring the kids down and let them have some fun and they're, you know, archery with little, uh, like boxing gloves on the end of the, the things. Just we have our right kids' out, corner. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have our kids' corner, so this year we're 
gearing a lot more for kids. We're going to have lots of artists like Bill Morrison, Tone Rodriguez, Tony Fleeces, who does um, My Little Pony, um, Tony Daniels, all teaching kids how to draw their favorite heroes. Um, that's out in the courtyard. And then again, we have Guitar Heroes set up, um, and we'll be giving away games and just a little insight on Sunday when the whole show's over, we're going to be drawing some names and giving away the equipment that everyone's going to be playing with that day, that all weekend. So we're giving away a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, and again, that's there. happening That's happening this weekend, May 18th and 19th. May 19th is the only day that Stan the Land will be there. And get you, right. check the uh, the website. It's up in our link section. See if there are still tickets available for an autograph and a picture with Stan. Uh, when you have a show that has Stan Lee in there, he tends to overshadow everything else. But there are other things going on, other special guests that are going to be there besides Stan Lee. So you may not be able to get away and, and go into them, but are, are there any panels, if you could, Steve, that you would want to be in there in the audience for? Oh, absolutely. Like Frank Cho, who's, you know, an amazing artist, is going to be doing a life drawing panel. So he'll have an actual cosplayer up there. Um, he's doing that on Saturday. And on Sunday, he's also doing one where he sits and draws. But we've got our own WoW girl, and she'll be here in costume with the big WoW costume on. And they'll be doing a panel on how to go from uh, co- art to costume um, creature features. Now, this is a big thing. We all grew up here with creature features. Well, for the first time ever, creature features on Saturday night at 8 o'clock is going to be showing Horror Express and doing a live creature feature show. So John Stanley, one of the two original guests, will be on stage. They'll introduce the movie. There'll be commercial breaks, just like in the old days with all those fun 70s and 80s commercials. He'll get up halfway through and do his talk, and then afterwards, just like it was an episode of Creature Features. So it'll be the first ever live Creature Features show. That's it, I'm there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, it's going to be at 8 o'clock. That's going to be amazing. They've never done it, so this is a first, and it's big for the Bay Area. Um, famous Monsters Magazine, um, the producers oh. of Famous Monsters, produced a, a movie called um, Dream... DreamWorks, I think it was called. And at 6 o'clock, they're going to be showing this movie. And it's free to anybody who comes. All this stuff is free, but it's not extra prices, by the way. Um, but it's it's all, um, they'll be showing the movie. And then after the movie, they'll be giving away T-shirts and swag from their movie. It's the premiere of the movie here at the show. Um, that's at 6 o'clock. And then we've got all our great guests and artists all day. We've got our art auction going on. This year we we had a theme of Beauty and the Beast, and we actually produced a book that we'll be selling. And all the guests here, or a bunch of the guests here, all did pieces for the book. So you can get it signed, and then uh, the original art will be auctioned at the art auction. Um, and then we got, you know, we got Neil Adams, Neil wow. Batman, Green Lantern Adams. We have Tony Daniels. We have Brandon Peterson, Sam Julian, the guy that did all those beautiful paintings in the 70s for Vampirella. Um, I mean, I can just keep going. We have 90 invited guests. Bill Sienkiewicz, um, if you're a Crow fan, James O'Barr will be here. Um, nice. If you're a Simpsons fan, we've got Bill Morrison, Sergio Argonis, <laughs> Uh, Tone Rodriguez, Tony Fleeces, Scott Shaw, um, all people that have worked on the, the Simpsons. If you're a Playboy fan, we got um, Dean Yeagle, which is one of the most, he's had a, a piece, uh, a 
every month in Playboy. He does Mandy, which is a beautiful cartoon. And he was a Disney um, animator for many years. He'll be here. Um, yeah, we just have, the website's got it all spelled out. Um, but no matter what you're into, we have somebody that you'll like to see. See, we'll get to meet the reason why us geeks told our parents. I, I'm reading it for the comic strip. <laughs> is what it's for. So that's happening. <laughs> oh, again. absolutely. Yeah, that, that's happening this <laughs> weekend again, May 18th, 19th at, at San Jose at the San Jose Convention Center. Tickets still available at Big, either at wow. the door or you can get it online. Uh, Steve Wyatt is one of the, one of the planners there. Uh, it sounds like it just keeps getting bigger every year. Uh, and again, this is not your typical you know comic comic convention but it's all tvs movies it's actually comic books and comic book artists Hell so yeah, we're yeah. one of the last true comic book shows out there yeah, we are yeah. a comic book show yeah and, and you know like i said when you have a show that has stan lee in there he kind of he tends to overshadow everything else there for next year if you're Rightfully even starting so. to think about it how can you possibly get bigger than stan lee well, we're working on it. Um, I will say we've already booked um, Charlie Adler, the artist for Walking Dead. He's done Walking Dead since issue number six, or number huh. seven. Rachel's job uh, Which dropped. is huge right there. I mean, he's we're bringing him in from Europe. Um, we've got... We've got about 15 good guests lined up already, and we're working on some surprises. I mean... Stan's pretty much your, your number one. You have to go down from there. And last year we had Jim Lee, who's number two. But they're still number three. So we're working on getting some, some great guests for next year. Yeah, so we'll definitely be there. Again, Big Wild Comic Fest, if you want to go there directly, go to our link section, everything else there. Follow them on Twitter, follow them on the Facebook, all the updates, everything is there. Steve, thanks a lot for coming on. We'll see you this weekend, and let's have fun at Big Wow. Big Wow. Chicken. All right, oh, thanks, wow. guy. Okay, Steve. Talk to you later. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Comics Commentary with Mark Doris on the Geek Speak Show. Love it or hate it, Iron Man 3 took the top spot this weekend for the second time in a row with $72.5 million, adding to its impressive $285 million total, beating out Great Gatsby by a significant amount, which came in at around $50.1 million. It'll be interesting to see how Tony Stark fares up against James T. Kirk in the upcoming Star Trek Into Darkness, which releases this Friday. Deadpool, the Merc with the Mouth, and my personal favorite comic character in the news lately, the Deadpool Kilogy, as it's being currently called, written by Cullen Bunn, a three-part arc consisting of four issues each, follows Deadpool in his exploits as he attempts to kill the Marvel Universe in part one, which I just finished reading, uh, and in Deadpool Killustrated, which is part two, where our chimichanga-loving anti-hero attempts to wipe out popular literary icons like Sherlock Holmes and Tom Sawyer with the hopes that the modern-day superheroes, a lot of whom are based off of these characters will no longer exist, thus wiping out every Marvel character from every existing universe. In part three, upcoming part three, titled Deadpool Kills Deadpool, we see the Deadpool we've been following around since part one, attempting at wiping out other versions of himself. It is then revealed that this version of Deadpool is actually an evil version of himself known as Dreadpool and not the Deadpool from the mainstream continuity. Writer Colin Bunn has stated that this story will feature more versions of Deadpool than you can shake a stick at, thus including Age of Apocalypse's Dead Man Wade, Deadpool Corpse, and even Deadpool Noir, along with many other versions we have not even seen before. All four issues of Part 1, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe and Deadpool Illustrated, are currently out and on shelves, so be sure to pick them up and look out for Part 3, Deadpool Kills Deadpool, this July. 
Kane Parker, better known as Scarlet Spider, is set to return to New York City in Sibling Rivalry, a two-part arc by writer Christopher Yost. The story spans across Superior Spider-Man Team-Up number 2 and Scarlet Spider number 20. Kane Parker is in for surprise when he finds out Peter's body has been taken over by none other than Dr. Octopus. Be on the lookout for this August when it is expected to hit shelves. Be on the lookout this August when it is expected to hit shelves. Comics release this week, Avengers The Enemy Within number 1, Wolverine Max number 7, X-Factor number 256, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 23, looking forward to that, Thunderbolts number 9, Iron Man number 10, Fantastic Four number 7, Cable and X-Force number 8, Age of Ultron number 8, and Nova number 4. In DC's Neck of the Woods, the season finale, the Hooded Vigilante series Arrow airs today, where Oliver Queen attempts to stop a villain from taking down a Ferris Air jetliner. The connection to Ferris Air has many wondering whether Green Lantern will make an appearance in this season or next, which isn't all that unlikely as Arrow executive producers Mark Guggenheim and Greg Berlanti wrote the screenplay for 2011's Green Lantern. Guggenheim has shared they have toyed with the idea of an appearance by Hal Jordan, even though Arrow does not take place in the same universe as the Green Lantern film, which starred Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively. We won't have to wait too long for more Arrow, however, as the second season has already been renewed and is set to begin production very soon within the next coming months. If you're among those who haven't given Arrow a shot, I may personally suggest it, as it is quite entertaining, and if nothing else, it's something to watch on a Wednesday evening with nothing else on TV. Among DC books released this week, we're looking at Aquaman Volume 1, The Trench, and Volume 2, The Others, along with Batgirl number 20, Batwoman number 20, Birds of Prey number 20, and Catwoman number 20. Something I'm looking forward to personally, Batman Beyond 10,000 Clowns hit shelves this week, along with Legion of Superheroes number 20, Nightwing number 20, Red Hood and the Outlaws number 20, Supergirl number 20, Sword of Sorcery number 8, The Authority Volume 1, and Wonder Woman. So a great week for readers of New 52 wanting to get their hands on the next issue in their favorite DC story arcs. That's it for this week's commentary. Tune in next week and be sure to catch Star Trek Into Darkness in theaters this Friday. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. You are watching and or listening to Geek Speak Show. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching it with your ears. Oh, you just listen. Nice choice, Henry. In that you are <laughs> listening to the Geek Speak Show, we're back on to talk Shakespeare. Joel, get back here. We're not going to read Shakespeare. He was complaining about it. That's why he never That's why he never has a book for the book. Like he's the one that hated, hates to read. But this one actually is going to make you and everybody... Actually, like Shakespeare. I was an English student, so I'm programmed to hate Shakespeare. <laughs> that, uh, never mind. Well, not anymore. It's okay. I know. Yeah. So we're talking. Uh, you actually, you're the I one. I mean, that it's found called him. Kill Shakespeare. So yeah, that's you, why I caught my eye. You found him at at, uh, at WonderCon just a couple months ago. It feels, it feels like it was yeah. years ago, but it was just a couple months ago. Uh, you guys can check yeah. it out on our YouTube page. It's on there. The, his video interview with with them. On with is one of the co-creators and writers of Kill Shakespeare, Anthony Del Cole. Anthony, welcome to the Geek Speak Show. I'm glad to be here, boys and ladies. Hey, yo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, when, when when Joel actually, when he told me, hey, I found Kill Shakespeare at at, uh, at WonderCon and he was telling me what it was, my first question that I'm going to ask you is, is, why do you want to kill Shakespeare? What, what, what's that all about? Don't worry. We come to praise the bard not to bury him. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, Kill Shakespeare, I mean, it's, it's called Kill Shakespeare for a couple of reasons. One of them is that... Uh, it's a very provocative title. I mean, it makes people stop uh, at, a, at a show like WonderCon or just in a bookstore or something and go, what? Kill Shakespeare? What does that mean? Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's also the general plot line of our story, which is uh, uh, we take all of Shakespeare's greatest heroes and villains, we put them all together in the same world, mash them up, uh, scramble them all up, um, and they're all on a quest to track down and kill 
or save a mysterious wizard by the name of William Shakespeare. Um, the other reason that I also, I also like the title is because we're just trying to kill the general perception of Shakespeare as something that's very highbrow, something that's very uh, only academic, that, um, you know, something that's, you know, basically just older British gentlemen in tight saying, come hit a Titus, <laughs> uh, and really, you know, and really highlighting which, how great Shakespeare is, and he was the greatest entertainer of, the, of all time. He was the Steven Spielberg, the J.J. Abrams, um, the James Cameron of his time, you know, he, he entertained everybody, and uh, we're trying to just shine a whole new spotlight on the bard and all his characters. When did you get into Shakespeare personally? Um, I got excited about Shakespeare in high school. I was fortunate to have uh, some, some good high school teachers um, that really uh, was able to bring Shakespeare to life. And I'm also very fortunate that in that I'm uh, located in, uh, um, in Ontario, Canada, uh, where we have access to the Stratford Shakespeare Festival, which is the top Shakespeare festival in Canada and potentially in all of North America. I don't want to start a, a whole um, rivalry with Ashlands up in Oregon, uh, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, as, as a Canadian, I'll say that uh, our, you know, our, our Shakespeare Festival is better than your Shakespeare Festival. Hey. Um, Whatever, eh? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You just heard me. I, I just bit. My, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I just bit my thumb at, you at bit, that yeah, festival. I was going to say, did you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> I bite my. I bit my thumb at you, Americans. Um, no, no, and I'm, I'm, and I was able to go see. I was able to go see Shakespeare on stage, and and that's that's what really is is not only great about the festival, but great about Shakespeare is that. Um, you know, often we were introduced to to Shakespeare in in book format, in format, and where we have to read it just the words. And when Shakespeare wrote his productions, he didn't write them to be read; he wrote them to be performed. And they're full of kinetic, you know, kineticism, a lot of energy, and a lot of action. Uh, and so that's why we wanted to kind of put that different spin on the comic book pages and really, um, you know, bring 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 these characters and bring the stories to life. But yeah, I, I, so I've been I've been quite interested in Shakespeare for many many years now. And you have a few people helping you with this, right? So who's on your team? Uh, no, we've got a fantastic team. It's uh, myself and uh, Connor McCreary, uh, another uh, Torontonian, another Canadian A. Um, uh, the, the, two, the two of us are the co-creators and co-writers uh, of it. We, we're the ones, uh, it was the two of us that came up with the idea 10 years ago. Um, and then uh, we brought on Andy Belanger, another Canadian A. Um, who is the uh, really talented illustrator on board. So he's the one that does all the artwork. Uh, we have some cover artists that help us out. Uh, we have a uh, colorist and a fantastic uh, new colorist. Uh, the original one we had, Ian Herring, uh, was Eisner nominated uh, for his work, um, and he did the first 12 issues. And then we have a new one, Sherry Hess, uh, who's doing the coloring for us. And then, of course, we've got IDW Publishing, who's our, our publishing company, and they do everything from the lettering and editorial through to marketing and you know, really making Kill Shakespeare uh, the success that it is today. So we heard in Newsarama, um, Connor and Andy had said that there was that there was going to be a stage version of Kill Shakespeare. Like, what's up with that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there there actually is a stage version. Uh, what we've done is, <clears throat> as we like to say, we've taken Shakespeare from the stage to the page and back to the stage. Oh my god! Um, no, we <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Oh, those Canadians are so clever with their rhyming yeah. couplets. You might as well talk an uh, iambic pentameter um, too. <laughs> exactly. Me thinks he's not protesting much, um, but uh, no, yeah, we actually have Kill Shakespeare live, uh, Kill Shakespeare live graphic novel, as we like to call it, uh, and what it is, it's a hybrid of a stage show and a comic book. Um, so what we do is we take the artwork that Andy has put uh, together for the series, and uh, theater companies project them up on a screen, and then actors read out the dialogue, they create the sound effects, they do the music live. So it's kind of like a radio play or a comic book come to life, and yeah, so that's actually yeah. played in. 
almost a dozen cities thus far in North America and internationally. Uh, it ran for three weeks. Uh, Chicago's uh, Stradog Theater ran it in uh, in Chicago for uh, for three weeks uh, in March of this year, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, it had its international debut last month in Dubai at the uh, Middle East Film and Comic Con. We put it on. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're we've got international. They hey, love us in the Middle East and everything. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. What? Uh, no. Well, I mean, and, and that's the great thing about Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Shakespeare. Yeah, Shakespeare's international. So I mean, everybody around the world has has read Shakespeare. You know, sometimes they've suffered through Shakespeare uh, in classes, and so yeah. I mean, it's, it's Shakespeare is kind of an international brand. Well, and so okay. So as a creative person, you're working on this. You're putting your heart and soul into it, but. Generally, most of us are working on more than one thing at a time. So what else are you working on that you can tell us about? Well, I mean, still Shakespeare takes up a lot of our time. I mean, not only writing the comics and overseeing the production of the comics, but uh, working on the stage play, liaisoning with uh, theater companies. Uh, The big thing right now is we also have, uh, we're... uh, Myself and Connor are adapting Kill Shakespeare for the screen. Uh, we have uh, we're working on the uh, feature film screenplay version of Kill Shakespeare, uh, and that will be at the end of the summer. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, even before the first issue came out three years ago, we had a lot of interest from Hollywood um, that were inquiring about the film rights. That uh, you know they kind of see this as a Pirates of the Caribbean or Lord of the Rings style live action feature film. You know, very epic, a lot of battles, comedy, love and romance. You know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so writing a feature film, and then we've also secured funding to put together a prototype for uh, an enhanced graphic novel and a mobile video game of Kill Shakespeare. So hey, when uh, uh, when you write Kill Shakespeare, like what percentage, or like do you guys use Shakespeare's own lines, and then do you guys incorporate your own writing, or like do you guys like mix it up, uh, well, or blend it, or do you guys? Uh, yeah, we've created a sort of hybrid, uh, kind of like what they do with Thor, I guess you could say. Uh, where it's modern day language, uh, but we throw, we sprinkle in Shakespeare quotes, we sh- we, sh- we sprinkle in uh, some these and some thous to give it that old English yeah. kind of feel. Uh, but th- we were quite insistent on when we first started this project that we wanted it to make it as accessible as possible for everyone. And one of the problems with uh, uh, with with Shakespeare for a lot of people is just the language. I mean, it's beautiful and it's poetic, but when he wrote it, you know, that's 400 years ago, so it's very difficult to get through. Even myself, I've read through. You know, say Romeo and Juliet dozens of times, and there's still some sections that just completely go over my head. So, oh, yeah. yeah, we want to do very mo- yeah, we want to do very modern, kind of what, uh, like I said, Thor or what Tom Stoppard has done with, uh, say, Shakespeare in Love, along with Mark Norman or uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Um, those okay. are sort of, sort of our templates in terms of language. I think that's really smart. That's a good way to get more people to actually get into it. Yeah, and then you get more people to start using the words "the" and "thou." <laughs> <laughs> And thus, I was having a conversation with a, a friend the other night, and she she said uh, she pointed out that I use the term "thus" all the time, and I had no idea. In real life, or in re- or in your writing? Uh, no, in, in in regular conversation, I'll be like, "Well, you know, I haven't I haven't I haven't had a chance to look at it thus far." And she's like, "You sound like you're trying to be Shakespeare right now." Yeah, thus, <laughs> thus, I understand. Good sir. Indeed, indubitably so. He is Anthony Del Call. He is one of the co-creators and writers of Kill Shakespeare. You can go to killshakespeare.com or go to our link section. It takes you right there. Uh, it, it's it's out in comic book stores now. Where, 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 what issue or where where is uh, Kill Shakespeare right now? 
Anthony? Well, we have, uh, for Kill Shakespeare, our first, our first initial series uh, uh, was collected in two trade paperbacks. Those are available pretty much everywhere, any bookstore, any comic book shop, or online. Uh, and then just uh, this spring, we launched, in February actually, we launched Kill Shakespeare, The Tide of Blood, which is our sequel miniseries. So issues one, two, and three are out, and issue number four comes out at the end of May, and everything concludes with issue five, which will be released in July. And there you go. So you can find it pretty soon at your local comic book shop. So, Anthony, thanks a lot for coming on and talking Kill Shakespeare. You're welcome back anytime to talk more Shakespeare or anything else you have going on. As long as I can speak an iambic of a tameter, then I'm happy to be back. You might scare Joel because that's what made him not want to read it. You're making me go through like my like memory to like see if I can remember any Shakespearean lines, but there's nothing coming to mind. But there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> I read all the cliff notes. I'm sorry, Shakespeare. <laughs> That's William, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our Joe. Anthony, thanks a lot. And you're, like I said, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you very much. I'd love to come back. Okay, thanks. Okay, so that's Anthony. Now let, let's uh, take a little break right now. Uh, get your books ready. But before we do that, yes. we're going to talk Neil Gaiman. Yes, that mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman. He's making his acting debut. What? Exactly. What am I talking about? We'll find out right after this. This conversation will continue in a moment. The Geek Speak Show. Touchdown. That makes it 42 to 3. Are you even trying to beat me? Not really. I could go for a cheese pizza and... No, you don't. You want to go get a pizza just because you're losing. Well, the pizza's not going to order itself, you know. If only there was a way to order online and have it delivered. Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to eat24.com, download their hunger app to your tablet or phone, and order online. And have your food delivered right to your door. Then I can get back to kicking your ass. Dude, it's 42 to 3. Eat24.com can't help you there. Oh. Download the Eat24 hunger app and use promo code GEEKSPEAK for free egg rolls or $3 off whatever you want. Eat24.com. Because video games don't play themselves. This is Mark Zigby, writer, producer, and director of Space Command, and you're listening to the Geek Speak Show. You are listening to the Geek Speak Show going on now. We got a lot of people today, huh? A lot of guests. I like it when it's like that. That, that we don't have to talk a lot. It's jam packed. Yeah, so another really, really cool project we had. Mark Zigby just heard him right now. We heard him on when he when Space Command came out. You guys got behind it. A thousand percent uh, big big things going happening with Space Command. He's going to actually come on uh, pretty soon and give us an update on that. So be on the lookout for that. But right now, something else that is very, very, very cool, especially with who's involved. It's called Blood Kiss. Just kicked off to Jay. It's a Kickstarter project. On to talk about it is creator, writer, Michael Reeves. Yeah, that Michael Reeves. Also, Amber <laughs> Benson. You, you all remember her. So, guys, welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Oh, thanks for having us on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so let's uh, let's kick off with the creator, the writer, with, with Michael. Michael, the, you know, with Blood Kiss, you're creating uh, the press release. I got to call it Vamp Noir, which is uh, a new genre. We never really heard of this. What's so different about these vampires from you know from what we've seen in, in Dracula and the current ones, and the ones that sparkle and everything? What, uh, what is so different about these? Why don't you ask Amber, the, Amber a question? <laughs> Talk to Amber. She'll check. Um, yeah, hit me. Ask me a qu- not physically hit me, but just ask me a question. Um, <laughs> okay, Amber, you've been <laughs> you've been you've had some experience with vampires before. What drew you to another vampire role? You know, it was Michael. He's just first of all an awesome person, and he's written this really like just beautiful 
noir vampire story that I hadn't really seen before. And he uh, also enticed me because there would be some singing involved. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, a singing whore. That sounds weird. <laughs> But uh, but anybody throws singing at me and I get very excited. So it was just it was the script and it was it was working with Michael. Yeah, that was what drew me to the project. I was gonna say we've we've heard your singing with feeling even. With feeling, I <laughs> you know I make people come plead or other people make me come plead. I'm not sure. Which, <laughs> but... <laughs> and and when you were told you're gonna be acting next to Neil Gaiman and yes that Neil Gaiman, what was that your reaction? Neil Gaiman. Yeah, not the Neil Gaiman of uh, of Orlando, Florida, but right. the, you know, <laughs> who works in in, uh, in insurance adjusting. Um, no, uh, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Neil's. He's uh, an amazingly talented human being. Does all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and I know he. I think he's done maybe one other little thing, but like this is the first time I think he's going to be doing a full on crazy fun character and I, I wanted to be a part of that I I just I think he's just an awesome person and uh, and just big hearted you know aside from being super talented he just has a really big heart um, and I, I wanted to, to to work with him for sure have you had a chance to meet with him or, or, or talk to him I have I uh, I actually <laughs> poor poor Neil and Michael uh, had to ride in my car I, I drove them the first time I, I met with them about the project uh, you know, Mark Zickery was there and, and, uh, and Michael and Neil. And, and uh, it was just a really fun uh, afternoon. I was a little sleep deprived. And then I, they needed, to, uh, uh, Michael and Neil needed a ride. So I actually drove them from the Chateau Mormont to the hotel where Neil was staying. And uh, I think I frightened them terribly with my poor driving. I am not the greatest driver in the world. <laughs> you don't and say. I, and I had them, I had them like wedged into my small little black Toyota Prius Um going really fast down Sunset Boulevard. Um. At least you were getting some good MPG. <laughs> I had really good miles per gallon uh, with two super talented people in my car. So I had, I, had, I had precious cargo. I needed to be careful. And instead, I was just, you know, flying, trying to get them there without falling asleep at the wheel. It was very exciting. <laughs> we're talking to Amber Benson. She, she is in Blood Kiss along with Neil Gaiman. Yeah, that Neil Gaiman, like we said. Uh, you, you guys can get behind it. PledgeBloodKiss.com is a website. It's on our link section. You can go there and, and get behind it and find out more about it. Tell us, Amber, you're in it without too many spoilers or any spoilers. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go into any stuff because I, I think it, it, it's it, it, it's something that that like I think if you just say noir vampire, that kind of says it. I don't want to give anything away, but it's just it's like a cool take on on the vampire mythos. It's more more from like a I would say. It's it's sort of its own unique mythos. I don't want to go into too much, but mix that with the noir, and you have something that I haven't seen before. Michael's ready to talk about this. Yeah, yeah I was about to say actually, and we do have Michael Reeves who actually wrote Blood Kiss, so he can tell us more about it. So, let, jump on, on on that one, Michael. What is what is different about these vampires that that we haven't seen before? Most of your classic vamps, such as Dracula. Listate or even count your glass supernatural in origin. And generally snappy dresses. <laughs> no means saying it's necessary to don white tie and opera cloak every time one leaves the coffin in search of a might drink. But on the whole, I think dressing to kill does lend a certain gravitas to lines such as the blood is the life. <laughs> the main difference between other vamps, even the 
twinkletith ones. Is that ours are primarily biological in origin? So that's Michael's answer delivered by computer. Yeah. That's a pretty sexy voice, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I like the uh, the, the quasi-British uh, uh, tone to the voice. Yeah, it's I was going to say, I got to uh, give me one of those, too. <laughs> I think you got it all over the Stephen Hawking voice. Yours is qu- quite a bit sexier. And, and Michael, another question for you is, why cho- it's set in 1940s Hollywood. Why choose 1940s Hollywood as the, as the backdrop for this film? Because that swear film was perfected, of course. What? We're gonna look for low-angle clicks throwing long ominous shadows in 60s movies. Come on. <laughs> Dirty Harry and Bullet were too busy blowing away hippies stoned on Tilly Stein <laughs> to worry about pansy stuff like my Zane scene. <laughs> That's true. That's definitely true about Dirty Harry. Some like, sexy mise scene there. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something super sexy about the, the 40s, the 40s film noir. I mean, Kiss Me Deadly. Uh, you got the, you know, the Chinatown sort of uh, thing going. I mean, like, there's just something inherently, like, vampiric about that time. And I think setting, setting the film in that, in that world just enhances what's already part of the vampire mythology that that sexy sort of immortality mixed with that film noir the dark shadows as 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 michael was saying and it's just i think it's a perfect location for for that that sort of re retelling of a vampire story in a a new and different way yeah and then also because like the 1940s is a time where like in the in terms of the vampire mythos you have like the old school vampire and then the 1800s and then early 1900s but then like that time period gets skipped so a little bit yeah, yeah and Amber you, you can jump in on this one also uh, I'll get back to Michael in a second is, is uh, do you know is, is, is it going to be filmed in, in color or is it going to be black and white you know I, I don't I don't know what's going to end up ultimately happening I think it's going to it's going to it's going to be per what the creative team comes up with I think right now what we're really focusing on is getting getting uh, the Kickstarter campaign going and getting you know the budget in place so that we can then make those creative decisions. I think whatever Michael and, and the creative team come up with will be amazing. If it's black and white, I'm like 150%. If it's color, I'm 150% in. I think you can you can you can have arguments for both both sides of that creative sort of question. Yeah, I think it's in good hands either way. You're right. And, and again, they're going to count on you guys. It's, it's, a, it's a crowdfunded project. Go to pledgebloodkiss.com. Get our link section. It's all in there. Get behind it. Find out, find out more about it. Uh, you're hearing it right now. Amber Benson is in it. And yeah, Neil Gaiman is in it also. Michael Reeves wrote it. What more do you want? Michael, let's go back to you. Um, Amber didn't give us any spoilers. You do the same thing without spoilers, spoiling anything. Tell us a little bit about the Blood Kiss story. Hard-boiled private eyes hired to bodyguard mysterious shunters. By the time he learns she's a vampire and her stalker is a vamp slayer, he's already fallen for her. I jinx since you. <laughs> Fade to black. <laughs> See, and that's how you how you describe something without spoiling anything. Exactly. So, I'm so, I'm so scared. I don't want to say anything that's going to spoil it. I, I just can't wait for people to see the movie. They're going to freak out. 
Yeah, and and speaking of freaking out because they hear the name, Michael, what made you ask Neil Gaiman to make his acting debut in Blood Kiss? Once you see the movie, you won't need to ask. Next <laughs> <laughs> in Cross is Neil Gaiman, or vice versa. I'm never quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true gentleman. And can you talk about any other actors in, in Blickis? Amber Benson plays Ruby Day, a Torch singer who's super sexy and can really sing. Always a prerequisite for a chanteuse. And Christina Moses, who was terrific in my Star Trek web episode. And maybe a few other surprises. Uh-huh. It's funny how that's kind of how you described yourself, Amber, a second ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. I like the wild questions because I'm a sexy chanteuse. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm... You should put that on your business card. <laughs> I should. I, I should have... I sh- I, I'm looking at the Kickstarter page right now for Blood Kiss, and we literally have 69 backers. I was like, that is the naughtiest. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Leave it at that. <laughs> Start another Six- one. <laughs> no, no. Then we got 169, 269. It's all the all the variations on 69. Um, <laughs> I believe you have everyone's attention now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I you know, I, I love film noir. And when I read you know what Michael had done with that character I was like oh this is like she's like all those amazing like femme fatale-esque character you know characters from from those films you know there's something mysterious and dark and vulnerable even about about her and the fact like I said the fact that she sings was super important to me um but uh I just I I never get to play those characters I think I did, a, I did a, an episode of Tem Minear's uh, short-lived series, The Inside, and I got to play sort of a bad girl in that. But usually I'm like the nice, earnest, sweet girl. And so w- when Michael was like, I see you as this character, I was like, oh, I love you forever. <laughs> You're <laughs> awesome. Because I, I feel like that girl on the inside. Oh, we've left 69. We're now at 70 backers. Damn it. No, we want more. <laughs> more and more backers. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was so excited to be able to play a part like that because, like I said, people don't always see me in that light. And I, I feel like a super sexy girl on the inside. And I, I know I can play that. I'm an actor. I'm supposed to be able to play anything, right? But to, to have someone like Michael who's been doing this for such a long time and is so well-respected in the industry, you know, that for him to vouch for me and say, yeah, Amber is my, my gal was really – it made me feel very special and, and very loved. That's sweet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let me go back to Michael again. Michael, who's who's going to be directing Blood Kiss? At this point, we're talking to several people. I'm insisting on someone with jodhpurs and a megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> Old school director. <laughs> I mean, it's it's noir, so you got to go noir. And, and also, again, this one's also for uh, for Michael with Blood Kiss having all the names that it has attached, and maybe will have attached in the future. Why did you decide to bypass the traditional studio route and, and, and instead go, go to us to, to get a, do a crowdfunding thing? Because we believe that the script works the way it is. Also, I have faith that it will get funded. And that means no obstacles to making it. I didn't want it sitting on an office shelf in a studio. 
Yeah, and Amber, you have experience, you know, sitting in studios and, and doing uh, the big productions. Would you want to do more, more of these kind of projects, like like Kickstarters or crowdfunded projects? Um, I think putting putting uh, uh, the ability uh, to to make your film autonomously in the hands of in the hands of directors and 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 creative people i think that that is the next step i feel like we're in the wild west right now and yes i love working on studio projects working on stuff like buffy it was ama- it's an amazing experience and an amazing time but you do have a lot of cooks in the kitchen and when you're doing something via kickstarter you get to do it autonomously. You don't have people with Harvard MBAs telling you how to be creative. You have a creative team who are passionate about something, working together to make the best product possible. Do you know what I mean? You're cutting out that middleman. And as much as the middleman is a great thing and I'm not knocking it, I just think with a movie like Blood Kiss, you know, they'd want things changed. They'd want to, you know, and and for unilateral reasons, not because it makes it better, but because people want to put their fingers and, you know, into the pie and, and, and sort of put their stamp on it. And, uh, I know everything is sexual. Sorry, you guys. Um, <laughs> I don't mind. I'm used to it with Joel. I get the same thing from him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with this, it's, it's the script as great as it is. And I think toying with it would just hurt it. I think it needs to be done as it is. And, and yeah. Kickstarter allows us to do that. And, you know, this is something that this is, Michael's baby and he doesn't have 50 years to wait for some studio to green light it he wants to make it now and it's a passion project for him and I want to be a part of that I want to help him get this made and Kickstarter was the way to do it yeah and and Michael let me go back to you again what can our listeners do I mean the obvious you hear it from Amber what can our listeners do to get behind Blood Kiss besides just getting on the Kickstarter but what else can they do to get behind Blood Kiss Go to pledgebloodcast.com and put millions of dollars in a brown <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> there. That didn't hurt much. Did it? <laughs> I love that voice, actually. It's a super sexy voice, right? It's like we're talking to Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jarvis, get us millions for the production, please. <laughs> I think also people spreading the word about the film. You know, I know there are people out there that don't have disposable income. And if you can't donate, that's cool. Just tweet about us, Facebook us, tell your friends, get the word out, make YouTube videos about it. Um, You know, anything that you can do to spread the word and to get people excited about the project, that's super important. Yeah, I mean, our listeners get behind. You know, they got behind Space Command. We've had other other Kickstarter products help them alive. Is another one that comes to comes to mind. That X Wing fighter or that uh, yeah, building the Millennium Falcon, the yeah. life size. They get <laughs> behind it. They they love you know because because like you said earlier, Amber, it, it it's you hear the passion in the people that are that are behind. It. It's not just yeah, I'm gonna show up to the studio and go to work and that's it. It, it is a passion project and and people love that and they do get behind it. But yes. like every other Kickstarter, it all it, they also want to know what's my rewards. What do, what do I get for it? So, so Michael, go ahead and tell him, you know, what are the rewards for backing Blood Kiss? More varied and wondrous than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> you can see them all on the Kickstarter site. They range from getting a copy of the movie to getting a signed copy of the poster by our two brilliant design artists, Christopher D. Salmon and Tom Mandrake, uh, getting a custom-made set of vampire fangs. Huh. 
Who wouldn't want that? <laughs> it's like grills, but with fangs. That's really how they got me involved in this. They're like, Amber, we're going to make you some teeth. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Make me teeth. <laughs> yeah. And, and Mike, when, after, you know, after all this is done, when do you expect, um, I know you kind of give an exact date, but when, when, when do you expect to have a blood kiss ready? Uh, that's hard to say at this point. Uh, we're looking at a release at the um, end of next year, but it could be sooner. Uh, time and money kind of go together. So if we get really strong support, uh, financial support, we can hire more people and get things done faster. And where is it going to be? Where is it going to be seen? You help, hope to have it in the festival circuit, or where, where do you hope to, or it's going to be on the website, or where? Hey, we're making this for you, the fans. Uh, we're fans too, and we're making a movie that we want to see and that we think you want to see too. So it's going to be everywhere. We want it on video on demand. We want it in theaters. We want it in festivals. Basically, there's more places for content to be seen than ever before, and we're going to go wherever we're welcome. Not that they need any more reasons, but Amber, tell our listeners from you. I was going to say look into the camera, but we don't have a camera in front of us. <laughs> but look into the microphone and, and tell them why they should get behind Blood Kiss. Uh, number one, okay, these are the reasons. I'm going to give you three reasons why they should get behind Blood Kiss. Number one, it's just good writing and it's going to be a good film. Like you're just creating, you're just helping us create something really that's just top notch and good. Um, the second reason is because, come on, we all want to see Neil, see Neil Gaiman on, on screen, right? That's exactly. freaking cool, right? And you want to see me sing. Those are two good reasons. And then uh, uh, the third reason you should do it is because Michael deserves this. Michael has worked really hard and, uh, and has had an amazing career. And this is sort of the penultimate paradigm of, of that career. And I think to, to help him make this happen that that's why you should be involved in it people should check out the kickstarter see michael's story he's an impressive person and he is battling a, a lot of a lot of uh he, it's an uphill it's an uphill battle he's battling a lot of stuff and he is still being creative and making good art and we need to get behind that and support him there it is directly from ember benson go to get again go to Ble- pledge blood kiss if i can say it correctly pledgebloodkiss.com <laughs> have it up in our link section you guys can get behind it amber what can, what are we at it was at 70 a minute ago are you, you having fun uh, seven, 72 backers and we've raised over five thousand dollars and it's been up for like no time at all it's kind of amazing nice. holy my god <laughs> do, you, uh, do you guys have a goal of like how much you're trying to raise uh right now the pledge goal is fifty thousand. Ooh. You're like ten percent there, then. Yeah, I I think you're gonna reach that pretty soon. Yeah, it would be awesome to uh, to make this happen super fast, and uh, and you know that's really dependent on on your listeners getting excited and and joining us in this project and being part of an amazing creative endeavor. Like you're not just you're not just giving your money. You're actually you're part of the project. You become a member of the Blood Kiss family, and that's super exciting. Yeah, so again, it's well Amber said. Benson. She's in Blood Kiss. Michael Reeves, creator, writer. Thank you both of you for coming on. I wish you nothing but success. You're welcome back anytime to give us any updates or any any casting announcements or when you do have a director that he's he or she is more than welcome to come on and talk more Blood Kiss. Woohoo! Well, thank you, Henry. Thank you guys so much for having us on. Yay! Yeah, no, the, no, the rest no, of you, like I said, you. go right now. Go. <laughs> PledgeBloodKiss.com. Get behind it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. 
It's time for the Geek Speak Show Book Club. Uh-huh. Our books or graphic novels. Tell us what your favorites are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com. Okay, Joe, you go first. What's your nun book today? What's your picture? Club. The book. Club. Okay, this time, guys. You no, know, he does this because he's waiting for the search engine <laughs> to actually give him a book. I'm trying to uh, kill time. Stalling. <laughs> yeah. But Rachel has to go to work, so I'll hurry up. Yeah, so, any excuse. Um, um, uh, no. Mm-hmm. Using me for the excuse, whatever. This time for the book club, Joel's choice is <laughs> Dilbert 2.0, 20 Years of Dilbert <laughs> by Scott Adams. And this one is like the second anthology of Dilbert, and it just continues to compile all the best moments of living and working in the office and being surrounded by people that you hate but you have to get along with and all those kind of, you know, small little mundane things. But there's humor in it, and it's fu- it's Dilbert. So, easy read. You can read it on the toilet. So, I like it. And you can That always- is your stipulation. Yeah, that yeah that's, that's three <laughs> weeks in a row. What, what, what is I know. <laughs> I read a lot when I'm, like, every guy does. More brand, that's all I'll, I'll yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, Dilbert doesn't have a little comic strip where he does that. But uh, Rachel, what do you have? You know. No, no, I'm going last. You go. Okay, well... I'm gonna <laughs> cheat. See, I, you notice I didn't give him too much this this week. What I'm cheating. I'm gonna be like Joel. I'm gonna use a comic book. Yes. Hey, he on the cover yeah. is Captain Kirk. He cheated too, and, and look what he became. He yeah. cheated in the Kobayashi Maru test. So I'm gonna <laughs> use. Uh, it's called actually Star Trek Countdown to Darkness nice. from IDW, and it's a countdown to. Guess what we're doing this weekend? I'm gonna watch Into Darkness. Some of us have already seen it, but um, <coughs> we're gonna go again tonight at midnight, and we're gonna see it a few other like 20 40 times over the weekend uh this one uh leads into the movie doesn't doesn't talk about about the movie just talks about things that lead up to the mission that you guys will see um should i stop because i think i'm going to spoil the territory i don't know it's not really okay you've seen it actually if you if you went to see the hobbit you've seen how the movie starts and it it, it literally starts like that it feels like you missed something because it starts right in the middle of the action uh, this actually exp- this comic book explains what's going on. So if you want to get the complete mm-hmm. story, which we're geeks here, that's where you listen of to the geeks. Of course, we do. You do. You're gonna go get it again. It's by IDW. Star Trek: Countdown to Darkness. It came out last week, so it should still be in the stores. Go check for that. Rachel, your turn. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Okay, okay, okay. So this mm-hmm. is setting it up for next week, and the book is called Star Wars. Star Whoa. Wars Loses. first. Oh. It's like you guys Star planned Wars this or something. <laughs> versus Star Trek. Wow. Uh, and then it says, could the Empire kick the Federation's ass? Yes. We can say yes, ass on could. the radio? Must be a short hey. book. Because, well, we're not on the radio, so yeah, we can. Yeah. It's a I short, so. must be a short book because the answer is just no, one page. <laughs> no, no. And it's, it's, it's uh, something that you guys can read to come up with some ideas of things that perhaps you would like us to um, debate about. You know, I like um, how when you say you guys... You don't look at Joel when you say that. No, <laughs> when you no, said no, you guys can read that, you're not yeah. looking at Joel. No, no, no. Okay. Um, but it's pretty cool. Like it, I wasn't it has looking at you stuff. Either. Hey, hey, my turn, yo. Okay, okay, okay. It has stuff <laughs> uh, like could a Jedi Knight use his lightsaber to deflect a beam from a phaser? Has any Federation ship ever made the Kessel run in less than twelve parsecs? Like just work good through stuff. it. Um, so what I'm suggesting is that you read that, or if you already have things that, uh, you would like to be debated or compared, would you email me directly, Rachel at thegeekspeakshow.com, and, uh, that way I can put it into our little debate that we're going to have next week. 
Federation starships don't get involved in trivial things like the Kessel Run because they can really? bend time, they can go, yeah. you know, move forward in time, backwards in That's time, funny. and it doesn't even I'm matter. I'm pretty sure that some captains do whatever they want with their ships, and still they become legends. <laughs> the real winner is JJ Abrams. Speak Show Book Club. Tell us what your favorite books or graphic novels are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com. Are you ready? Here's a Geek Speak Show quickie. So there's a little movie opening this weekend, and I energized this bit of information for Rachel uh, last week. I've actually had a chance to see it, and it was for journalists only. Part of that screening included a Q&A session with a director and a couple of the stars from Star Trek Into Darkness. The director, of course, J.J. Abrams, and the two stars were the captain and the first officer, Chris Pine as Captain James T. Kirk, and Zachary Quinto as first officer Spock. So let's start off with the director, J.J. Abrams. So, J.J., what was it like returning to the Star Trek universe? It was a thrill. Uh, one of the, the first things that I uh, felt excited about, one of the first reasons I wanted to be involved in a sequel was to get to work with these people again. Um, the cast is wonderful, and the crew is is equally wonderful. And so the, the ability to get to work with these, these friends again... Um, was a no-brainer. These characters, of course, are very iconic for any for any science fiction fan, not just Star Trek fans, but science fiction fans. How do you go about finding the perfect actors to just slip into those roles? Finding the right actors, it's not a binary exercise. You have to really think about what the group looks like, how everything works as a whole. Their interactions are key. Um, and also audiences really need to sort of see everyone in a distinct way. And if there's too much of a sort of visual overlap, people can get, get, get confused more than you think. Like, it's weird how how confused audiences can get. Even as a filmmaker, you think, there's no way they're going to uh, get these two actors confused. And people, you, you, you hear anecdotally, people saying, God, I, I couldn't tell. I did the show Felicity a million years ago. And I remember, like, they tested the pilot. And people were like, I couldn't tell the difference between Ben and Noel. And I was like, what? They look so different. They, what? Um... But I do think that we uh, were insanely lucky uh, with uh, April Webster and Alyssa Weisberg, who are our casting directors. Uh, they helped us find the greatest actors for the roles, and we were very lucky to get them to come in to uh, Star Trek Into the Darkness and come back and, and reprise their roles. Ever since it was confirmed that Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be in Star Trek Into Darkness, it seems that everything is Benedict Cumberbatch, and especially... Who is he playing? You know, he's playing John Harrison, but who is he playing? I'm not going to ask you who he's playing, but talk about Benedict Cumberbatch's performance. Casting Benedict was like a little bit like shooting the movie in IMAX, which is that like theoretically, you know how impactful it's going to be. You know how incredibly cool it's going to be. But until you're actually in the IMAX theater looking at that frame and you see how much better it looks, when you're on the set with him and he's actually doing his thing and elevating everything and blowing your mind with how good he is, you, you, it's, you can't know beforehand what you know when you're there and what you're watching when you see the film. He's unbelievable. The first movie was about getting the crew together. They're, they've been together now. As we pick it up, they've been on a few missions. Adding Benedict Cumberbatch and Alice Eve for this one. Did they fit right in? First of all, the cast, they're incredibly warm and, and, and kind people. So I wasn't ever worried that, you know, they were going to be treated like new kids, you know, uh, by the cast. But Alice and Benedict both, they are so witty. They are so smart, talented, and hardworking, that what was great was how quickly the cast appreciated that they were doing the thing that a dream cast does, which is anyone who's there who's, you know, going to bring their A-game, it kind of it kind of challenges everyone else to, to bring theirs again. So it was kind of a wonderful way to for everyone to remind each other that, you know, as much fun as it is to make a movie like this, that we've got a really 
think everything through and, and work as hard as we can to, to make it for, you know, as good as it can be for the audience. One of the reasons you're one of my favorite directors, besides the fact that you just do phenomenal movies, stories, is that you don't like 3D. However, Paramount finally got you to do a movie in 3D, and that's this one, Star Trek Into Darkness. Why did you decide to do IMAX 3D for Star Trek Into Darkness? When uh, I was approached by the studio about for doing you know, about doing this movie in 3D, I, I was hesitant because I felt like it was a gimmick. I, I'd seen so many movies that weren't, you know, uh, well presented in 3D that felt like uh, it got in the way for me, uh, for, you know, in terms of watching the film. So we did some tests. We took the first movie that we did and we converted some scenes and it was very hard to deny how cool it looked. And I thought, oh, okay, I, I kind of get seeing the ship at warp, seeing the Enterprise going through a debris field, seeing these action sequences, even just being on the bridge. That, that dimension was admittedly very cool. And I knew we were going to shoot the movie uh, all exteriors in IMAX, which is, you know, a massive format, a huge negative, which means that the, you know, the image quality is so much better. And I thought if there's ever a movie that could benefit from 3D and IMAX, it's Star Trek Into Darkness, because it felt like we had these massive set pieces, great action sequences, things that could just really translate beautifully into that. And because I was shooting the movie anamorphically uh, with these anamorphic lenses, it meant we were going to be shooting in 2D, knowing we were going to do a conversion. So I thought, this is going to work, because I'm going to do my 2D version. This is what I cared about. We'll do a kind of icing on the cake version in 3D. And with 3D IMAX, it'll be like nothing anyone's ever seen before. So it felt like a way to do what I wanted to do, but also to kind of, you know, give the movie kind of a, a little added, you know, jolt of uh, kind of added value and, and, and making it a little bit more of a roller coaster ride. And finally, JJ, what do you hope audiences take away from Star Trek Into Darkness this weekend? The thing that was always the balance making the film is the thing that I'm most excited for the audience to experience, and that was always the massive scope scale action adventure uh, parallel with the intimacy, comedy, uh, and sort of heart of the characters. And to me, it's like, I want people to experience that sort of balancing act of these really you know, interpersonal, sweet, you know, big-hearted relationships uh, with this insane, intense, crazy, hyper-real you know, sequences. You know, the, the, the threat to the Earth, the chases in San Francisco, the, the you know, attacks in London, the action sequences in the beginning on one planet or in the middle in another, uh, these space battles. There are all these moments that are just you know, huge and larger than life. But at the core of all these sequences are these characters that I think really do make you laugh and that you fall in love with. So I'm just looking forward for the audience to experience that and all the, you know, the, the, sort of the balance of those two things. So that's J.J. Abrams, director of Star Trek Into Darkness and director of another movie that has star in the title. Not sure what it is. Maybe Rachel will know. So now let's move on to the first officer and his captain, Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, who play, of course, Spock and Kirk. And either one of you can take this question. What was it like being back in the Star Trek universe? Yeah. We enjoy one another, uh, all of us. And uh, coming back felt like a reunion. Uh, it felt like maybe coming back from summer holiday and going back to school. Going back to the set of friends. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What's the chemistry like between you two on set? I think Chris is um, really intelligent uh, as an actor uh, and... and makes really smart choices, trusts his instincts, is confident in his perspective and his process. And, uh, and I think his Kirk reflects that. Um, he's really generous to work with. He's really, um, he's really easy to communicate with. 
And because we're friends and because we have a history, um, there's a shorthand that comes to play that allows us to understand where each other might be in any given moment and what each other might need in any given moment to do the best work that uh, that we can do. Chris, you want to return to favor? For Spock, you know, it requires a tremendously confident person to go into a character like that who just by sheer, by the definition of the character, can't express himself the way that he wants to. You have to have a certain level of trust in doing that in your ability that I I don't think I would have and Zachary has in spades that uh, is quite incre- incredible to watch. There's there's a moment in particular that I think of it's actually a comedic moment, but where Kirk is desperate for his friend to say, you're my friend. All he wants to hear is like, you're my friend too. And Zach has this comedically is a beautiful moment and it's not much except for like a tilt of the head and he's about to say something and he doesn't and uh, it's just uh, it's great fun to watch him play with his character and uh, and to use that economy of of uh, of movement that stillness to his benefit JJ made the decision to do this in IMAX 3D 3D IMAX should this be seen in 3D IMAX? I've seen so many movies that I walk out of and I'm like, why was that in 3D? I don't get it, you know? And uh, and I understand his reluctance, but I can't really think of very many worlds that support the technology in the way that Star Trek's universe does. And uh, I think it's spectacular, actually. I saw the movie in uh, 3D IMAX uh, at, the, at the premiere here the other night, and it's just mind-boggling how, how dynamic and immersive... Uh, the experience is as a result of those additional technologies that weren't applied to the first movie. So I give him a double A plus. All right. So as promised, we went into darkness. That's J.J. Abrams, a director that's done a few little films. You may have heard of him and a big one coming up. Right, Rachel? In a couple years? Oh, yes. Everyone, we, we, you can start, uh, you know, bowing now because uh, so two years. That's it. That's all we have to wait. So you've got your tickets. You're all ready. You've got your insignias all ready to go. You were telling me before we started recording. I, I do. I have all the little, uh, you know, designated insignias for all the different Star Trek uh, um, positions, right? So I would I think have it was to decide. Science officer. Uh, yes, I was saying I have to decide which one I'm going to wear all day today. So perhaps that one. So everybody's ready. You already. We're finally going to go into darkness tonight. I I dropped a little not big bomb, just a little photon torpedo. Did I you turn off the already. lights, by the way? It's so dark in here. No. <laughs> Open your eyes, Joel. There you go. Oh, that's what it is. The E24 glasses. You got those on. T- take those off. Oh, yes. You don't the need tins, the glasses. The you can just go online and order and there you go. You don't need the glasses on. I thought I was into the but darkness. you are. Take it off. Oh, look at all that light. There Let there be light. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So now you threw me off. What was I talking about? Oh, not E24. We're all going to be there finally. I yes. dropped that little photon torpedo. I, I did actually get to see it. Honestly, I hate it, you it, again. It, it, it wasn't the same. Because it wasn't with with you guys. It was it wasn't you know journalists. Don't or, try to suck up now. No, I was the only one that did this. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, we're that journalists. Was, we're here to watch a movie. That was oh. back in the day. Tonight, I'm gonna go. My son and I are gonna go. Yes, I'm doing. I'm doing right, Dad. I'm taking my son to a midnight show, and we're gonna go see it again with the crowd. Who's gonna oh, cheer so just because the logo comes <laughs> up? Just because a bad ro- lo- bad robot logo comes up. Um, no spoilers. I still won't do anything. We will. We will talk spoilers next week. And I love spoilers. Rachel and I play play around all the time. I have a lightsaber. Oh yeah, well you and your your enterprise, all that. We take it serious next week. Oh yes, you you guys are not going to want to miss this because this is where like it hits the dirt, and we're really going to argue about this because we got Star Trek. We got, we understand. We got it, but got it's not going to compare to Star Wars. Star Wars. And, and, You've seen it at Comic-Con. 
you sat there, if you were there, at WonderCon just a few months ago. We're going to bring it here to the Geek Speak show. The psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars. Or as Rachel says, Star Wars versus Star Trek. See, we're not already. <laughs> on so the Wars stars. side, on Team Wars, will be our own Rachel Russell E. Of course. Ooh. And hey. a real doctor. Doesn't play one on, on the podcast. She's actually a real doctor. Dr. Andrea Letamendi. You guys know her. You can follow her at, at Arkham Asylum Doc on her Twitter. She's uh, one of our followers. We follow her. Rachel and her become BFFs. Oh, you guys better watch out because we're going to steamroll you. We're yeah, watching. They're, they're clones of each other, actually. You know, every tweet, <laughs> every other tweet is, look what I got from her universe. Look at this or a quote <laughs> from Yoda or, or something. On my side, I figured, you know what? Fine. Usually on the panel, it is doctor against doctor. Dr. Ali Matu is the one that, that does it for the Trek, Trek side. I figured, you know what? I'm going to really load my real photon torpedoes. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to bring... You could have brought George Lucas, but I'm going to bring the creator of Star Trek. Oh, well, the closest thing to snap. it. Roddenberry. Rod Roddenberry. He's a friend of the show. He's been on many times. You guys have heard him. He said, you know what, Henry? Yeah, I'll be on your team. I'll be Team Trek. And Rep it. I think we're going to win anyway because... We have we would have just seen the Star Trek into darkness. Everybody's all excited. Maybe some people will be kind of disappointed because I'm sorry, of what people it is. have been excited about Star Wars a long time too. And let's be real, the girls are going to outwit you. He's so. got some star power though. <laughs> it's Pun Roddenberry. I mean, you can't. <laughs> we don't care. Although, although, no, I mean to be fair. Although, and, and you guys, we've talked about it on the show with Rod from the first time he came on to you know, when it finally came out. That's what Trek Nation was about. You kind of have like a girl guy thing going on right now, too. He never mm-hmm. wasn't. So does Joe, but that's another story. <laughs> that we, we've never. He never really got Star Trek, even though his last name is Roddenberry. Mm-hmm. He wasn't into it. He was into like me, right. Star Wars. He was a rebel. He was in a fact, rebel against his, he against was his father. He shared pictures, and they're in Trek Nation. He had, I think, three or four Star Wars birthday parties at his dad's I know. house. I know. And you know, with, with Trek Nation, though, that that's what it was about. It was about finding out about his dad, and also finding out what's the big deal about Star Trek. Why do people like it so much? So I know. he does have a little. His eyes have been opened, as he put it. So it's a very deep. Well, and story. to be fair, more and more there, there's the blending of the fans between Wars and Trek, and we and we all like all of it, and we understand that. However, when it comes down to the battle. We're choosing our sides, and that's what you guys are going to see. <laughs> now, we're not going to make it, you know, can the Enterprise defeat the Death Star? No, no, no. <laughs> we should make t-shirts with Probably the slogans the that we came up with. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your side. No, but, um, you know, obviously, you two, you have a real doctor on your team. You know, she'll, she'll, take, she'll take it from the psychology side. We won't make it a boring show, we promise. And Rod will take it from the philosophy side, yeah. meaning you know, th- oh, I get it now because he does. We, we talked a little uh, the other when was it last night? I don't even know what day it is today. We talked a little <laughs> last night on the um, on the phone and, and you know talking about this and what we're gonna do and what it is. And he was telling me that he d- he actually did learn a lot just from doing Trek Nation and a lot about not just his dad but about Star Trek and what it really is about. And he actually went back and watched the original series, all of them, mm-hmm. and he got it. He sees it a little bit different now. He said, he's, I still like Star Star Wars. I still have my Star Wars action figures. Because he, he, he did have them. You're not going to throw them away. No one talk ever about does. That. Um, so it'll, it'll just be a fun, you know, the, the philosophy and psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars. Why does someone like Rachel, when I mention photon torpedoes or anything right away, well, I got lightsabers. <laughs> what, why, why is that? We'll ask. Yeah, what happens? Yeah, we'll find that out. So the way we're going to do it is, you know, at WonderCon and at Comic-Con, we're going to do the panels. Obviously, you guys are there. You guys can cheer and yell. Star Trek won it at WonderCon, no matter what Rachel says. Whatever. But 
we're not we don't have a live audience Star except Wars. we can have Joel. Yeah. Okay, Joel, clap whoever you think is the winner. I will be the judge. No, what we're gonna do is we're gonna post it up on Monday. Usually the shows will go up on, on Wednesday, but this time it's gonna go up on Monday. We're gonna leave it there all week. All of you are going to listen to it. Rod's gonna tweet his people. So will you two, so will I, so will the Geek Speak listeners, everybody. Everybody will listen to it. We'll get the votes. Next the two in two weeks, we'll tally it up and we'll say who actually won, according to all of you, the listeners. So that's what's happening Ooh. next week after we go into it's darkness. Be exciting. The light will go on and we'll do we'll talk Star Trek versus Star Wars. And if you're on the fence and you don't know which one to vote for, just vote for Wars because it is my birthday and then you could do that for me. That would be awesome. That's called cheating birthday <laughs> and see i told you she's taking up the captain kirk already he cheated in the kobayashi maru test show us she <laughs> the tweets are going uh-huh. off the chart for some and we reason. haven't even started it yet so that's what that's what's happening next week <laughs> be on the lookout for that come on back next week we will speak trek and wars we'll, we'll change it up the geek speak show will be back next week with a brand new episode in the meantime follow them on twitter at geek speak show one that's the number one Become a fan on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, watch special event coverage and the GeekSpeak video show on YouTube slash GeekSpeak videos, and listen to past shows in the archive section on thegeekspeakshow.com. A big thank you to the GeekSpeak Show's content providers, geektyrant.com, collider.com, ramascreen.com, and mightyville.com. The GeekSpeak Show. Fascinating.